Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is our beat writer, Patrick Lines. It's still Strava hours if you're joining us uh, on the live here. If you've subscribed to the YouTube, then you, you got a notification that we were going early. So we're drinking our Strava craft coffee still in the morning. Strava hours, by the way, for me are eight to noon. If anyone was, and that's a real thing in my house. That is just, those are the facts of the case. What if you get up at, at nine? Does it then move to nine to one? You know, I like that. I should, I should it's implement that strategy. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can push it back. Uh, and on night games that are going late, it, it starts up again at like 10 if I'm down at Coors Field. And, but they don't have Strava. I'm going to have to start taking it with me now that I've got on that. So on today's episode, we got to get hype, hype, hype for the Colorado Rockies home opener. We got to talk about John Gray on the hill. We got to talk about potential revenge against these San Diego Padres. Maybe look ahead a little bit at the importance of this entire homestand. Um, sadly, Patrick, we do have to start with a little bit of news today. I want us to do this quickly, like ripping off the Band-Aid. This is stuff that's going on that can't be avoided. Let's do this up top so that we can end and have a very long conversation about just being excited about the home opener and everything that's going on. But we did, of course, get some news today. A few members of the Cardinals now tested positive. Uh, this thing no longer contained entirely even to the east uh, eyebrows raising people worrying we don't want to go too do far down the rabbit hole Patrick both you and I said we'd be surprised if they were able to finish the season at least in any kind of you know what we might <clears throat> even consider traditional based on what we have so far with like all teams playing 60 games and balanced schedules and it's like whatever the finish of the season is going to look like I think it's just going to be different than even how they envisioned once they restarted. It's pretty wild. Yeah, Mark Saxon was the one who reported that he had, had it confirmed that it was two Cardinals players. Uh, the only thing he's saying is that they are two pitchers. Uh, as per um, you know, the athletic, they've decided they're not going to reveal the identities of the players as it's you know, um, maybe a, a little unjust, so they're not doing that. And, and, and I definitely respect that and get behind that entirely. But you're right. Now it's no longer in the east. Now it's in the it's in the central. We know it's everywhere in in the United States. We know it's all over the world, in yeah. various uh, corners uh, of our planet. And it's it's a it's a very real thing. The number is now up to I think it's 15 games that have been played. You'll you'll probably see something around saying 30 or 30 games. But really, that means there are uh, multiple teams. So when the Phillies and Marlins were canceled, they both lost a game. But how right. many games were canceled? One. One. So take right. that number, divide it in two. So yeah, right. so fifteen games, but we are looking at just under you know ten percent. So that's a decent amount. And we just got started doing this. We don't yeah. know that the Marlins are going to be ready to go on Monday. Right. You know, we don't know the the if the Phillies are going to be able to go uh, after they've had uh, a couple of players, or rather one staff member, one coach. So um, it's going to be touch and go. Of course, that's somebody on Twitter 
uh, reaching out to us. We love that. We love communicating with you guys that are listening on Twitter about like, well, hey, what's the point of the, the satellite squad and the taxi squad that's there? And that's absolutely their purpose is to basically say, we want you to be, have access to you know, minor league players or quadruple-A players, just bodies, unfortunately. We have to put it like that. But MLB hasn't figured out a way to implement that because you've got all these players in the Miami clubhouse that have tested positive. How do you carefully get them out? And what about the players who the tests have yet to kind of show? It's still in that incubation period. So we don't know who to take out. uh, And because of that, you can't just add anybody back in so that the Marlins can can go forward with it. So so many details and and so many wrinkles uh, to iron out. And uh, keep it locked here, and we're going to keep you updated on that as best as we can. Yeah, that, that's all we can do. You know, in the meantime, as long as as there are games, we're going to have to stay. You know, at least sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent focused on that um, until it becomes something that that really does overtake the entire conversation. And we'll we'll just have to wait and see how Rob Manfred and and the rest of the leadership group there at MLB handles this we'll just have to find out um yeah that's all i want to do of that today it's a special day uh we're gonna have to get back into it let's let's do what we can for this one day to put that aside and talk some baseball patrick i'm gonna be down at the dnvr bar both before and after the game so while it is still strava hours i'm not cracking open a breck brew to start talking about the on-field stuff just yet this morning of course i will be down there drinking several of them after the game because i gotta i gotta do some work today (laughs) gotta be down there at coors field how about that but um oh yeah and by the way you should also all go out there and get yourself some breck brew and you should get them there from davidson's you know that you can get them down at the farmhouse if you call 303, oh, well, I just moved away from the number. I, I don't have it memorized. 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Use code DNVR, and you'll save five bucks on both the meal and the beer. If you can't swing by there, like I said, get it from Davidson's curbside pickup and delivery. And you'll be able to kick back with your Breck Brew this evening and watch the Wolf of Blake Street return oh. to Blake Street for a pitching contest. Um, well, it'll be a full baseball contest, but John Gray is going to do everything he can to pick up where he left off last year. Patrick posting, I think it was a 350 ERA at Coors Field in a year where the, the average ERA, I get, that's redundant, isn't it? An ERA is already an average. So the ERA at Coors Field among all pitchers was above five and a half runs. Uh, John Gray two runs underneath that. Obviously, uh, uh, strangely enough, you could argue he had the weakest start of any of the guys in the rotation so far this season. First time through, wasn't able to complete five innings, uh, did give up a couple runs there. So what are we looking for? What are we expecting? And how strange is it going to be, do you think, for him in particular to be in this scenario? I think it'll be strange in a good way. I think it, I think it'll very much just eliminate any of the, the typical stressors or any of the anxiety riddle, riddling moments that 
you know, can come about with a home opener. You know, it's not opening day, but it is, right? It, it's, you're opening that new ballpark. Everyone in the stadium is their version of opening day. And, you know, game one of anything is an indicator of what you're going to do for the entirety of the season. It's not fair in that way, whether your team is playing great or playing poorly, but you can feel that in that moment. And, you know, that, that happened to John Gray for better or worse in 2017, that wild card game. And then he started the next game in Arizona in 2018, and you kind of saw that, that worst-case scenario of John Gray. Now that's not a factor. Now it's just John Gray being John Gray against the Padres, a team that he's pitched pretty well against, especially in San Diego. Um, mm. So now being at, at Coors Field, it'll, of course, be a little bit different. But I think it'll really feel like a middle-of-the-season start He's, you know, John, you know, after a couple good starts, it'll feel like one of those days where you get up and go, everything just feels good. And it's, and that's true. It's not, it feels good, but, ooh, this is a big start. Or, oh man, this is for first place. Or, oh, this is opening day. It's, it feels good and it is good. And I think that's, if it's going to help anybody in this rotation, I think you might put John Gray at the top of that list for pitching in this craziness that is 2020. I think he might benefit the most out of all of them. Yeah, I really like that take for a number of reasons. I think there are several things working in his favor. Now, I do think he's done a good job of overcoming some of his natural anxieties when things are not going his way. But it is funny in this age of crowd noise that is controlled by whoever's there in the stadium, you're not going to hear rumbling and grumbling if, you know, he he issues a couple of walks and he's not going to feel that energy of, 35,000 people clenching up and worrying about what's going to happen next. And then he gets more anxious. Like none of that's even going to be there because the hometown guy is not going to be pouring in like anxiety noise for, <laughs> for their own pitcher. Right. So I think that very much works in his favor. Like you said, his history against the Padres, a lot of it has been at Petco. He did have his 16 strikeout game at Coors field against the San Diego Padres as well. So it's a team he's had some uh, success against And there's the other thing that we've kind of alluded to here. There is the revenge factor. And I do think it's something that John Gray feeds on a bit. We saw the way he went after the Diamondbacks in 2018 after, as you mentioned, that wild card game in 17. I think he's very much aware. And I think this team is very much aware, whether the general public is or not, that that series last year against the Padres that they should have won, the four-game set that they should have swept with the two just embarrassing blown saves absolutely derailed their entire campaign. And they take it personally, I think, that it is just the general consensus that the Padres are the better team despite the fact that they actually finished in last place in the NL West last year. And these Rockies have been to the postseason, and those Padres have not... I think they're out for it today. What do you What do you think? No, very much so. You're You're right in that instance. You know, they've they've got new duds. They're They're back to their brown and yellow, so they've got a little bit you know more swagger, and and they are they've kind of become the darlings of of a lot of baseball fans, and and I think rightfully so, especially if you have a a young player like Fernando Tatis Jr., which is phenomenal. Very you exciting. Check off, you check off that box and exciting guys. Yeah. You got the big name star power of Amani Machado. Uh, and you also have kind of sabermetric darlings like Tommy Pham, who they traded from Tampa, who is another one of those, you know, uh, sabermetric, you know, darlings. So 
they're checking off a lot of boxes, and, and we're not even talking about their pitchers yet. They've got some guys that can throw some serious heat. Chris Paddock is a guy that, you know, before his starts, he comes walking to the arena dressed like The Undertaker. He's just, he can be intimidating <laughs> right. in that way. Right. You got a guy like Garrett Richards, Richards who we're going to see tonight for the Padres, who I think a lot of people are going to, you know, root for him in a lot of ways because he had so many, you know, injury-plagued years, even even across three seasons with the Angels where he was hurt and he only made 28 starts. He still had a 305 ERA in the AL West. Like, think about that. Usually when you're hurt, um, you you know, you have that one or two bad start that totally inflate your ERA. He was at a 305 ERA, so the Padres signed him on a two-year deal, ultimately because they knew 2019 they weren't going to get a lot out of him, but 2020 was going to be his year to rebound. So, you know, he's a name that's kind of forgotten about. He's only 32 years old, and he's getting just another one of those guys that, the Padres look like the sexy pick right now. And whether the Rockies know it or not, it doesn't matter because they've got 2019 fresh in their head. And if the Padres want to chirp, that's going to make it all the more easier to come back hard and snipe back at them because it's not going to be the Rockies or John Gray against Coors Field a little bit because, hey, Coors Field, come on, you're you're not giving me the love and the vibes that I need, right? Yeah, I gave up two runs in the first inning, but I need more than that. No, it's just Rockies, Padres, and there's plenty of vitriol to keep the Rockies rolling along in this series. And with a win tonight, they will be in in sole position of first place. Yeah, uh, I'm. I think it works out best for them that these aren't swapped. If they were coming home to play the Giants, and I'd be like, "Hey, that's nice. They're a they're a worse team. You might get your feet wet at Coors Field. Maybe get a couple easy wins in there." The worst thing that can happen to the Colorado Rockies after a 4-1 and one start and a day off is any kind of letdown and then a letdown loss and a home opener to a bad team. You lose to the Padres, it happens. You expect them to be a tougher team this year. But you come out and you put a stamp down because these guys are not going to let up against these guys, as we're talking about here. They're just not going to. They remember uh, Kravkak mentioning here in the comments, John Gray had to come in and pitch like they they could not close out the Padres and that he had to pitch in relief for Wade Davis in that series. Um, everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them, and they're going to do everything they can to put down the foot, especially because now we know that um, you know these games mean so much more extra. You know, we've said in years past, in fact, I think I've even told this story on the podcast, uh, but it's been a while. You know, I was down there in Arizona for game one in 2018, and the Rockies. Uh, I think they actually lost that first game against the Diamondbacks. And then, um, you know, there was this big question. Was it frustrating because those guys beat you out of the wild card last year? And there was all of these conversations. And I remember Ian Desmond in particular going, it's March. Like, it, you know, this is it wasn't even April yet. Like, you don't win or lose anything in baseball. It's a whole new season. We're a new team. They're a new team. Let's, you know, let's go. And that's the only right response in a 162-game season. In Precise. a 60-game season, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, in a 60-game season, it, it's a sprint. It, it, you got to just go out there and get it. And, and they're, they're going to be looking to do that. There, there's, there's no two ways about it. And I think you're right. It, this is the better matchup, so you don't lose sight of the Padres and you're too focused on the Giants. Because look at what the Giants did the last you know, couple games against the Padres where Giants walked them off because 
again, take your eye off the ball. Those Giants are a pesky team. Like, you know, say what you will. You know, they're, they're, there's only a few teams every year, and maybe there's only one every year, that is just a pushover night in and night out. Even right. the Marlins, when they they were bad in the, in the you know late 2000s, they would always give the Mets a run for their money. And, right. you know, we've seen that. And when the Giants can be really bad, there's still going to be a thorn in the Dodgers' side, in the Rockies' side. You know, all, all of those things are going to be true. So if you flip this series, that could that could have posed a problem. But as it were, no, you get the Padres right away. Let's have that. And then if they can win two out of three, which is, is reasonable, I, um, you, you just can't guarantee sweeps, especially against a team that's of your caliber um, no. and as, as good as the Padres. But you win two out of three, you keep that momentum going. You say, no, 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 we got to keep our foot on the pedal because that was only a one-game difference against the Padres. It's not like we've got this massive lead in any way. we got to right. take three of the next four. Let's go yeah. ahead and let's keep pushing it, pushing it, and pushing it. And then, you know, as, as I said on Twitter, I think a 5-2 and two homestand is what it's, it's going to need to be to really keep, you know, the, the vibrations high around this club, in the clubhouse. 4-3 and three is good. Four and three is good, but anything less than that, you go. All right, well, they they had a good disappointing run yeah. on the road, disappointing at home. Not the end of the world. Again, they're they they're still going to be fine and in line for one of those eight playoff spots. But right now, the topic is winning the NL West because that's on the table. Yes, yes. This is only game six, but it's on the table. You got to go five and two in this homestand if you want to keep discussing being the best team in the West. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've got more good news for Rockies fans on why I think it's very possible, if not altogether likely, that they can pull that off. But before we do that, we've got to try to help you win a little bit of money. Now, hopefully you've joined us here for the live, because if not, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, there's probably a small window for your opportunity to uh, place some bets. And we've got, I think, a really good one for you for this evening. And if you're wondering what I mean by placing some bets, well, you gotta check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download it now. Use that promo code DNVR uh, because if you do that, you can boost, you get an odds boost to bet 20 bucks to win 100 bucks on your, on a team of your choosing. There's all kinds of great stuff that we're going to keep you up to date on throughout the season, uh, whether it's Colorado Rockies centric, the one today that we're going to give you, not related specifically to the Colorado Rockies. There have been some good ones. I don't know how the odds may have changed for those of you that got in. You know, we went on DNVR bets and talked about maybe take the Rockies to do some big things. And then if they get out to this great start, you can cash out. Interesting options there because they're out to an interesting start. So you can do. Uh, what you wish there. But the best thing that you can do for this whole situation is get a little skin in the game, have a little extra fun while you can with the baseball that we're going to get. Again, you download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. You use code DNVR when you sign up because for a limited time, all users get a special odds boost to bet 20 bucks to win $100 on a team of your choosing. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And here we have got, I think, a really interesting 
pick of the week for you? Yeah, Drew Drew was on this one. Uh, we, we went through to look at Friday's games, and there was a couple that I said, all right, let me earmark that, let me earmark that. And Drew says, wait, 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 wait. How about Rays? You got Blake Snell, Snellzilla on the hill against the Orioles, who had a couple days off. I know they, they played in New York, but they're kind of, they've been scrambling a little bit. And the payout doesn't seem to be a, a lot, right? For the Rays, you'd have to bet 210 to win 100. So you're putting out a lot in order to win some money. But before Drew said any of that, he actually just said, I like the Rays big. So there's something you can do on DraftKings that's really cool because it can be pretty black and white if you just say win or loss, and you're not going to win a lot of money, right? For you got to bet $2 to win one. So you're going to go over to where it says alternate run line. And what you can do is you can pick a team and give a different set amount of runs. So now it's no longer about wins and losses. It's about how many runs you think they're going to win by. So before when I said, if you just want to pick them to win straight up, you got to bet about $2 to win one. Or if you think they're going to win big, like Drew and I think they are going to, you can give up four runs. And for every $1 you bet, you can win back two and a half. So for a $100 bet on the raise to give four, and beat the Orioles, you're going to win 255 bucks. I love it. That, oh. That's that's our pick of the week right there. You, you got to like a team like the Rays, extremely talented. Team like the Orioles, extremely not. Um, <laughs> the Rays got uh, their best pitcher on the hill. Um, Alex Cobb for the Orioles, who, who started nicely, gave me a little bit of pause. But by started nicely, it means he, he went like five and a third and gave up a couple of runs. And then the Orioles bullpen had to take over. So I still, you know, I, I still really like those odds for sure. Uh, a few other things. I've got a question that came in here. So before I, I talk about the pitching matchups a little bit more, Joseph asking, Drew, do you think Nolan will start to heat up? Short answer, yes. Long answer, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's going to heat up. He'll heat up soon. He's going to hit Yonkers. If you recall, last year it took him, I think, five or six games before he hit his first home run, and then he hit like six in a week or something like that. Um, he's a little more hot and cold, I think, than people realize because yeah. it so often balances out to incredible. So the cold stretches typically go about 20 plate appearances at most and so that they're forgettable except for during those 20 plate appearances uh so yeah anytime he's cold is just good news for the eventual hot streak yeah it all, it all balances out in the end no two ways about it. that's why it's called an average so and and the thing about that those those streaks is that they don't always come at home or, or on the road you know like right like he doesn't just go off at home and then on the road he slumps like it's it's touch and go. There's times where at, at Coors, it's everybody else but Nolan, right. you know, knocking in a couple of runs, having multi-hit games, and you go, oh, Nolan, only one for five. He had a single. He, he doesn't look to be himself right now. And then no. same thing. You could be on the road, and he's carrying the team single-handedly. It is it is strange. That's, I guess, maybe one of the, of the good things about, you know, people not knowing all of the ins and outs about the Rockies 
you know, it's 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 nice. Everybody right. wants to put Nolan on their on their team, and and Cardinals fans are like, okay, so he'll be at third base. We got Goldie at first, and it's like right. pump the brakes. You know, if they were to know about some of this streakiness and all of the pressure that he puts on himself, you know, they might be a little bit more reticent. Now, I think he'd be fine in in, in the Bronx. I think he'd be fine at Dodger Stadium. Any of those locations, it's going to balance out, but. I just think it would it would stress him out. He'd 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 look like either Roger Maris or Cal Ripken by the end of it, where his hair would just kind of fall out. Right, right. Overstressed, but at the end of the year, the numbers would be there, and he'd be you know just as phenomenal as as anywhere else, and and maybe wins a ring or two. But as it stands, he's in Colorado for seven more years uh, after this one, guaranteed. Uh, We don't really think he's going anywhere, and his numbers are going to be fine. Yeah, and and. You know, the more other guys produce and help win games when he knows he is not, the better the case is made that he'll want to stay here. The more he trusts Blackman story, guys like Dahl and McMahon and, and, you know, Hilliard coming through big in some of those games, these pitchers doing well, those are the kinds of things that make Nolan stop thinking about what the grass might look like somewhere else, as it were. Um, So... I wanted to get into uh, a few other elements like I was talking about uh, some good news for Rockies fans in terms of how they can do on this homestand, in my opinion. You mentioned one of the big reasons to be you know, excited about these Padres from <clears throat> like a national perspective or just from a baseball perspective is the young pitcher Chris Paddock, who the Colorado Rockies will miss in this three-game set. So right. there's good news there. Further good news Garrett Richards, uh, this evening against John Gray, will make his first ever start at Coors Field, which can be a problem, ask Steven Strasburg. Actually, Strasburg has never finished it out. The Washington Nationals go out of their way to make sure that Steven Strasburg does not pitch at Coors Field. I think the Cubs also do that for Jake Arrieta, or did did that for Jake Arrieta. He's, what, he's the He's with the Phillies now. I don't know what their so uh, you're saying, policy so, on that So is. you could basically write an article saying why you're more likely to see Steven Strasburg pitch for the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field than anything else. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, exactly right. There's <laughs> a greater chance of that happening than him just playing with the Nationals, exactly. which seems very logical. But, but no, you're right. Some of the teams definitely try to guard their guys against it. Uh, I think Richards is going to be fine. You mentioned Chris Paddock not, not pitching. That's... That's that's huge for Colorado, uh, and again, he's he's only it's only his second year, but again, it's an advantage. It's an advantage for the yep. Rockies. They're also not going to see Denilson Lamette, who's a guy who, right. um, you know, he just signed really young, and he, he's still young now, but he's uh, he's not you know a, a spring chicken by by any stretch of the imagination at 28 years old, but he's still a guy that people are really touting him as as being something really special, and I think he will. He slotted in as their number two guy. So now, again, Rockies are facing three, four, and five. Take that for what you will. But you win two out of three games against the Padres, you've won two out of three games against the Padres. So it's just it's nice that, hey, something things are starting to break the Rockies' way here, uh, albeit just on the starting pitching front for the Padres. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, they, they've still got to come through and take advantage of that. That doesn't mean anything. The Lucchese versus Freeland matchup is another one that I think, you know, bodes well for them. Lucchese's been on a limited workload so far. The Rockies have had some success against him at times, and other times he's he's gotten the better of them. It's been back and forth, but uh, he only went three and two-thirds in his first 
outing. Um, you, you know, so that's again good news, especially if the Rockies can continue their offensive approach of getting into bullpens. If they can get them worked in that first game and then really get them worked in the second one, it bodes incredibly well for uh, the third. I also like that one because, uh, as we were talking about with both Nolan and also Trevor, neither of those guys has gotten especially hot with the exception of the two-homer game for your shortstop there. But having a lefty to face from both of those guys feast on left-handed pitching who isn't Mike Miner dotting the edge every single time he just pitched an extraordinary game. You know, Luke Casey has the ability to do that. There's just a lower chance. And so I think that bodes well for the righties in the lineup who need to get going. And I would expect we'll see Matt Kemp DHing at Coors Field against a lefty in that game. And that'll be really fascinating to see. Um, you know all the numbers there if you've subscribed to the dnvr.com and you, and you read that article. And then, uh, you know, finally, I, I even, you know, think that that matchup of Zach Davies and Antonio Senzatella is a, is a nice, solid toss-up between two guys of similar profiles and similar resumes and just, you know, could go either way on the mound. We, we've said a lot about the progress of, of Senzatella, but that's one I think, again, why the the bullpen strategy early on has to be so good i think sat and then you go you think about last year's series that we talked about with these padres i think it's going to come down to the bullpens and so hold on to your butts for sure the real cool thing i like about that sunday matchup like you said it's it's again it's rocky's number four starter versus uh padres number five starter but zach davies is uh is is sneaky good quality yeah like he's he's been around for a while he's only so you're you're saying okay wait he's 27 years old how can he have been around for a while he was traded for gerardo parra like that's how long he's been around you know you forget when you're a minor leaguer you're still considered around so he never even got to play with the orioles who drafted him um so yeah 27 years old and he's been sneaky good sub four era with the brewers and you know it's I think I think he's a lot better than than people probably realize. You know, he has pitched at at Coors Field before. He's um, he's been uh, all right in that start. Uh, Trying to find where he was at, I lost it. I think it was um, five innings, two runs given up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was with that with that Brewers team in in 2018 uh, that that swept the Rockies. I don't think he featured in that series at all. But you know, he's he's right there as as a quality guy. So. You know, I think it's it, the three through five matchups, you're right, are um, line up really well, and it's kind of very symmetrical with the two lefties going against each other. So yeah. this will be, be interesting. This will be a big, big battle, and you kind of worry about the Giants series when the Giants series comes. But hopefully you won't have to tax that bullpen quite as much, at least not the most important of those arms in the bullpen. Yeah, the the best possible news or, or best case scenario for the Colorado Rockies would would be to take advantage of Garrett Richards not quite feeling out Coors Field. You hope that happens, and and you get at him early, and and you just set the tone for the whole series, and you can't have those letbacks. But obviously, the the sooner they get into the bullpen in Game One, uh, the, the better. For these Colorado Rockies, however they achieve that, whether it's driving up the pitch count or just scoring a bunch of runs and getting them out of there. And San Diego's bullpen hasn't been as good as Colorado's for right now. Again, a lot of that has to go to the other night uh, with with the Giants kind of coming back on them. You know, they um, they they've got some young electric arms. You know, with, with Emilio Pagan, you know, Drew Pomerantz, you might see a lot of 
Hmm? Especially with a lot of the lefties that are that are in the Rockies lineup. Never heard Zach. of them. Never heard of them. Kirby Yates. Uh, Can't recall. Is, Do not recall. Closers in the game. So Kirby uh, Yates is good. And Tim Hill was was a really solid uh, pickup that they made um, right before it was it was their second you know uh, spring training 2.0 deal. Um, they got this lefty from from the Royals. Ultimately, they they didn't have room for Franchi Cordero. So basically, they say, look, we got to cut a guy. And then they go and bring back, you know, uh, a lefty guy who's who's very capable. So that ended up being a, a really nice move for them. So it's it's I expect it maybe not to be as high scoring. It definitely won't be as high scoring as the 92 runs that they scored in the middle of last June. But I definitely expect it to be, you know, kind of on the edge of your seat, just like that entire series was last year. Yeah. So again. Hold on to your butts. All right, we got some questions to answer here. I want to hear what you all are most looking forward to in this opening series or Coors Field Baseball or just for this team on this homestand. We're going to finish out answering some of these questions. Do got to remind everybody, though, that the most fun and popular free golf game in the world is WGT Golf, and you can get it at dnvrgolf.com either on your phone or your computer. Again, 100% totally for free. Get right out there within minutes. You start whacking the golf ball around, playing closest to the hole or full stroke play on world-famous golf courses, including Beth Page Black and St. Andrews. You can join now up to three, well, not up to three, the third country club. You can't join the first two because they're full. We've had so many people who are having so much fun with this because they get to come in, challenge each other in the DNVR community, challenge us on the DNVR staff, talk a little bit of trash, play in weekly weekend tournaments, of which our staff is getting a little bit better. Uh, Rudo had a nice finish last time. Patrick's been doing well. Harrison's getting up there. I continue to be terrible. But if you want to join us all, remember, it's totally free. You got nothing to lose. Nothing whatsoever. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download it on your phone or laptop, and join us out there on the digital links. And it's always fun. Okay, a few questions coming in. Joseph, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, what the atmosphere is going to be like. So asking uh, no fan board cutouts at Coors. It looks like they're going with classic players and and people from uh, the organization, which is something that we saw Oakland do Uh Interesting. I could have gone either way. I personally, I really would have liked to see the fans thing and the idea of, you know, if the the ball hits you, then the, they'll mail it to you. If it hits your cutout, I, I really like that idea. It's nice to see the faces from years past, and I'm sure I'll enjoy looking out and seeing all of them, Patrick. But, you know, it, that, that's a 7-10 split. Either way, I don't think there was a wrong answer to that question. But um, I think having the legends is, is great. I mean, you, you can do all of these things. But having having some of the, the legendary players is great, you know. I, I, I hate bringing it up, but you know, growing up watching the Yankees, they had Old Timers Day, and sure, they were some, there were some Hall of Fame players that that played every year or really good players on some championship teams. Um, but each year it would kind of build, and you'd learn more about players. And sure, the Rockies only just got their first guy in the Hall of Fame, but you'd be crazy to not say you could almost just sell tickets for an old timers game at one o'clock and, and not even get, get admission to the night game. But I think you would still pack Coors Field out if you had Juan Pierre coming back and Matt Holiday 
in Garrett mm-hmm. Hampson. Like, let the younger fans learn about yes. the two, 2007 yes. Rockies, um, the early expansion era guys. You know, and when you do this long enough, what happens is you slowly but surely check off these boxes of, oh, wow, look at that. Old Timers Day for the Rockies lines up for when the Phillies come to town. Hey, Joe Girardi, come out and take some batting practice with Dante yeah. Bichette and yeah. share those stories about how you were going to call yourselves the Boulder Bashers, but instead Dante came up with the Blake Street Bombers. Like all of those things, that's all part of the history of the Rockies. So I'd love, well, I'd love to see them celebrate in that way. This is still, I think, a really good way of getting close to that. As far as doing the, the thing with the fans, the, the one thing that was suggested uh, on the broadcast was because of the rain that we get and the, spur, you know, the, the sporadic nature of the weather changing is that every time a drop comes down, you know, they're going to have to send somebody from the PR team to run down and like take the cardboard cutouts out so they don't get soaked and don't get warped. And like, there are so many different yeah. details. You could do them up at like in the second tier, but then you're not really going to be seeing that only when they, they pan out from center field, Right. So, so then, what's what's the point? You're going to feel right. cheated. So you either do it right or you don't do it at all. And I don't know if there is a right way. At least not yet. Totally, totally agree. As we move on through these questions here, I do want to remind everyone that there is a watch party for oh, yeah. the home opener this evening down the DNVR bar. You got to RSVP for that one. For the other games, remember, no matter the time of game. The bar will be open if the Colorado Rockies are on TV, and I'm going to be down there a lot the next couple of days, both before and after. But the watch party tonight, you got to RSVP to make sure that you get yourself some reserved space so that we can keep everyone in their isolated groups and keep everybody safe, but also a part of a community of people watching some baseball. You can find the link to that RSVP on our Twitter and Facebook page. So go there, check all that stuff out, uh, and I hope to see you down there this evening mile high mems asking will hampson's role be defined by his defense or his offense that's a really interesting question actually um i'm not sure i know the answer to that i mean i i think it's a it's gonna it's a tough balance right bud black would say it, it, it can't be all one or the other that as great a defense as you can play you gotta hit some to to get put into the lineup um, that, that's a really, really tough one. Uh, I would actually say because they know his defense will be there, his role is going to be more defined by his offense. Can he prove himself to be at all a valuable offensive player? And if he can, he's going to get to play a lot more. And if not, they're going to continue to see him as a utility man, plug and play kind of guy. Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, I have the exact same reason as you, but it's for that reason why I think you go the other, opposite. his role is defined <laughs> by defense. It's kind of like because he can play multiple positions, that gives him more at-bats, right? If you're if you're in the game because right. you can play left field because right. of a matchup, you're going to have an opportunity to be, you know, play well offensively. And even if he does really well at the plate, I don't know that that's going to be enough to really, you know uh, – change the lineup in a lot of ways maybe he gets one extra start here or there instead of like tapia but again with the fact that one's right-handed one's left-handed i don't i think they're just going to go true to those platoons there's a chance he's gonna he'll the only way he can break out 
and and maybe be be starting five out of every seven days really become their Ben Zobris is if he defines himself more offensively. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to overly right. exceed expectations to the point that you go, we have to now find a spot. When really right. now it's more like, you know what? How can we just plug and play? And wow, we've got this guy that it gives us so much flexibility because he's capable of doing it defensively. We're going to put him in the game and thus he'll have those offensive opportunities. I, I think his defense is what leads that way and gets him into the lineup more than just the straight quality of his bat. I think that, yeah, that's an interesting answer. I like that. Uh, EJ Sanchez asking a similar question. Do you guys think the right-handed, left-handed strict lineup could mess with certain guys' rhythm? Uh, there's always that possibility when, you know, you go to platooning. I will say I don't think they're going to go to a 100% strict lineup of, of platooning. I think there are going to be times when, you know, they already had one, didn't they? They started Hampson against a, a righty the other day um you're gonna or see lefty. that um oh did they against, was it against the lefty he bats righty so it was against it was, against uh, was right? no 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 the the final game of the uh, uh oakland set against, oh, against frankie, frankie montes didn't he i think hampson started in that one now <laughs> we're already losing track of these early games but i, I either right, no, way you're right you're right, you okay. right i'm sorry yeah so it. they will occasionally start you know a, a right-handed hitter against the right-handed pitcher that isn't Nolan or, or Trevor, the guys who are always in there, um, precisely for this reason, I think, to to avoid anybody falling into too much of a, a, a rut on the bench, especially if the guys that, you know, they, they want to play. Obviously, there are some guys we haven't seen yet, like Fuentes. They apparently don't care if he's in any kind of a rhythm, and that makes a certain amount of sense. And they don't care if Chris Owings is in any kind of offensive rhythm because Chris Owings has never been in an offensive rhythm in his life. I'm sorry. He just, it's just true. It's not what he's on the team to do. Play defense, run the bases good. That's what Owings is there to do. But they'll continue to get Hampson, Tapia, Hilliard, and McMahon at bats. And and you've got to hope that they navigate it well. For sure. It, it, it is a hard thing to balance. But again, all things considered, when you compare the numbers – I think it just, you know, even before numbers were such an active part of our game, in the, the, the 50s, Casey Stengel, the manager of the Yankees, didn't need to look at numbers to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to platoon these guys, and he won a couple World Series in his day, to say the least. So it, it, the numbers bear out that, you know what, even if a guy's rhythm gets messed up, even if Matt Kemp isn't starting as frequently as he has, you know, the last decade of his career, he's the team overall is going to be better off for it. Right. So right. You, you just kind of have to deal with that. Be a professional, um, be ready when, when, when your number gets called and, and, and just hope for the best. And, and I, and I think while it's not ideal for each individual player, it is ideal for the team to kind of have this layout. And yeah, yeah, as far as Josh Fuentes goes, there is a, there's a campaign online that has started called hashtag, free Fuentes. So if you're out there and you're a big proponent of the Fuent, have at that one. <laughs> the Fuent. Love it. Hurley once over under five home runs for the rocks this weekend. It's a good number. It's a good line. That's a good number. I'll take the over. Yeah. I mean, they, they haven't, you know, really shown that yet so far all season. I think they might have five for the five games, but um, they're, they're at Coors field. Uh, I think 
if they can again stay patient and run up the the pitch count for the the Padres uh, starters, then they can get them out maybe after five innings. And if so, you're going to tap tap into that bullpen. Some of those young guys are going to miss their spots, and you're going to be able to hit six, seven home runs over this three-game series. Wow. Yeah, I like that. That is a tough one. I'm tempted to uh, take the out here and actually go with a push. I think the Colorado Rockies hit exactly five home runs in this this three-game set. So, yeah, you you, you set the over-under at the exact right spot there early. Mile High Mems coming in. Our pitcher has been... Our pitching has been far better than I expected. Are the fanless games a factor, or are we better? I will answer first by saying both, and hand it off to you, Sir Patrick of House Lions. What was the question? Uh, yeah, no, the, the, it, the, the pitching has been, you know, as best as you could possibly, you know, hope for it to be. And that's not to say it's been unrealistic. We're, we're not looking at, John Gray having gone eight shutout innings, and Marquez, two starts of eight shutout innings, and Kyle Freeland doing much of the same. It's really just been all you need for them to do, right? And maybe a little bit better, and maybe a little bit lucky, too. Um, You know, you're not always going to get away with having those runners on base and leaving them stranded. That's just not realistic. You know, they've they've given up, you know, a lot of hard-hit balls that haven't fallen in for hits, so, you know, some of that has to do with, with how good the Rockies' defense is. Some of it has to do with the smaller ballparks that they've been playing in. Um, yep. Now, granted, Oakland's got a lot of foul territory, so that's not entirely true. But, again, that's one of the issues with Coors Field. is isn't so much that you're hitting so many more home runs, but you're, you're getting hits where you wouldn't get them in normal places because there's so much extra ground to cover. The Rockies have had eight guys eight different players in in the last 27 seasons win a batting title that's insane and that's because a couple extra balls fall in that boosts up your batting average and you take advantage of those things so the Rockies are going to be at a disadvantage now being at home but as long the only the only real stat that matters as far as the the starting pitching and and, and the bullpen and just the pitching in general is does your team have more runs than the other team that's it Keep your right. team in the game. Sometimes, you know, you, you I, I went to a ball game. It was one nothing. Blue Jays, Orioles, Camden Yards. It was one nothing. The guy who gave up one run gave up one hit. He gave up a solo home run to Harold Baines. He lost the game. You have to, again, that's the context that baseball games are played in. Are you better right. than the other team? Not, hey, as long as I pitch good. If I hey, if I can go eight innings and only give up two runs to this Orioles team, man, with Cal Ripken Jr., Albert Bell, et cetera, et cetera, my team has a good chance to win. Yes, they have a good chance to win. But on that given day, it was not enough. So the bottom line is as long as the pitching hangs in there, and even if John Gray does give up two runs in the first, or he does get knocked around for three runs in the third, something like that, as long as the Rockers are still in it, as long as he's giving them a chance to contend as long as he's giving them a chance to stay in the game he will have done his job it's it's being the bridge to the bullpen it's eating up enough innings and and keeping your team in the game so that you do a competent job yeah you want to dominate yeah you want to pitch really well and i think we will still see that during this homestand but if certain players numbers get impacted negatively because they give you know they have a they give up a, a three or four run inning 
if you go six innings, that's not the worst thing in the world. A quality right. start is six innings, three earned runs, and what do we say? A, a Coors Field quality start is six, and six four. innings, four runs. Yeah. So a four-run inning is going to balloon your stats up in your ERA particularly because it's only your second start of the year. So that's that's small potatoes. It's did you did you win two out of three against the Padres? If so, your pitching did a good job. Probably didn't do great, but it still did a good job. And really, that's the only thing you need right now. And I just think they're good. And Jill asks, <laughs> is Freeland back? Again, yep, hey, that's my answer. <laughs> he pitched on Sunday. He's back. <laughs> LOL. Um <laughs> Yes, uh, you know, obviously it, it's only been one start, and if he does it again, I think we'll all feel much more confident saying, okay, uh, th- there was, as I've often said, uh, you got to look at the process just as much, if not more than the results when you're looking at one game, and everything about the process for Freeland was working in ways that it was not last year. His mechanics were smoother. His pitches were moving how he wanted them to. He was hitting his spots, let's say, seven or eight times out of ten as opposed to five times out of ten, which was kind of how often he was hitting his spots last year. He wasn't making mistakes over the middle of the plate. Everything was different. If it was just a one-game phenomenon, that would be a bit strange, um, but not impossible, right? But I think it was very clear the re- clearly the result of changes he made to his mechanics. He took out that hesitation. It's much more smooth. Everything's different there. And um, it, him getting back to uh, an approach that he had gotten away from a little bit last year. So as long as he stays there, I think, yeah, you're going to see. I In his rookie season, right before he was the Asai Young contender, I had the worst ever nickname for him. It was Quality Start Kyle. We just went over the numbers. Right? Isn't that just the worst nickname of all time? Jake Shapiro yeah. is at least a third responsible for that, by the way. <laughs> um, he, he encouraged me. But because that's what you could count on him for before he really ratcheted it up and, and, and put himself in that Cy Young conversation, you could just count on him for a quality start. And that's the guy you need this season. The guy who goes out and gives you five or six innings, three or, as we said at Coors Field, maybe four runs, keeps you in the game. That's the Kyle Freeland they need. And if and I do think that Kyle Freeland is indeed back. A hundred percent agreed. It, it goes back to the conversation about Nolan Arenado, how he might go over 20 in a stretch, but that just means he's bound to go 11 or 12 for 20, right? It's the law of averages. And, you know, this entire 10 month off season has been about, well, who is Kyle Freeland? Okay. Take the average of what he did in 2018, fourth in the NL Cy Young. Take what he did in, 2019 with his six ERA and take the average of that. And you basically have what he did in 2017. And I think we won't really know entirely who Kyle Freeland is until the end of this season. So you got to give him those 11, 12 starts. And then we can really say, okay, now we know a little bit who he's closer to. Is he closer to that 19 or that 18? It's probably going to be a little closer towards 18, but He's gotta he's gotta really go there and earn it. And that's that's the fun thing with left handers too, is that so many of them, for whatever reason, it it just takes them longer to figure things out. It's it's like a fine wine in a lot of ways. I mean, Jamie Moyer did it, you know, to the age forty nine, laugh, oh, yeah, ha ha ha, we all had a laugh. 
But guess what? He was a lefty. His best seasons were at age 40. Randy well, Johnson still did it at 40. He didn't really come into his own until his late 20s. And, and the whole misnomer about the Jamie Moyer thing is that it was this big, dumb joke when he did the thing for Colorado. And look, he shouldn't have been their opening day starter. And no, he never went out there and you were like, wow, look at him go. And he, I think he lost his first four or five starts before finally getting that record-breaking win, that just like momentous win at 49 years old. But he was not terrible. Go back and look at it. Yeah. He wasn't getting shelled at 49 years old either. Like he, he he still had enough to be out there and be competitive. So I think sometimes that gets locked. Uh, it's just been used so often, rightfully so, as an example of Rockies inept pitching over the year that a 49-year-old Jamie Moyer was their opening day starter that one time. But he was nowhere near as terrible as as he was remembered. If he'd have gotten a little bit of help from his offense that year, they could have won three or he could have won three, four games easily. Which is pretty impressive for a 49-year-old. Um, Will with another pitching question. How much longer are the starting pitchers still going to be on a pitch limit? One or two more starts? Um, I would guess one. And and I would say that even if a guy in his next start is really going well, which we haven't seen that yet. Even Marquez with his eight strikeout performance against the A's wasn't as locked in as we've seen him. So no reason to push it there. If he was as locked in as he was in San Francisco, you know, a couple of years ago when he threw that um, complete game shutout, then I think Buddy would let him throw over 100 pitches if he was really that locked in in his next time out. Or, or, or John Gray today, you know, if he's striking out 16 Padres and he's at 90 pitches through eight innings, would he go back out there again for the ninth? Yeah, I think he would. Uh, but I think that's incredibly unlikely. All other things up there, if you're at 80 pitches through six and you've done your quality start job, no reason not to just hand the ball to the bullpen early on for solid pacing of your season, right? Yeah, it, it, a lot of it is is context because if a guy is dealing, you just don't want to lose that momentum. And although you know Bud has has said in the last couple of days, like no, I'm managing the game kind of the way I normally do, but I I do think there is more of an urgency, um, and and really I shouldn't say urgency because there's been nothing too urgent. The Rockies have just looked really solid throughout so it's been more of a let's let sleeping dogs lie like hey this guy's going let's keep rolling along with it and you know i i, I think with with the pitch counts I'm, I'm you know hesitant to maybe say it would be two starts because two starts is is this series at Coors Field right so it's like okay you know what John Gray's going to have two starts at home so after his next one now we'll we'll, we'll take the uh, the training wheels off and just kind of let him go but it's it's not even so much how many pitches, because we talked about this with Gray's start on Saturday against the Rangers, is that if he could have gotten out of that jam, he could have gone you know, seven innings. He still could have had two more innings. It's putting the stress on the arm in those, in those high-stress innings. Like It's one thing to throw 100 pitches over seven innings, but if you've thrown 40 just in the first, that's right. that stress right there. You go, oh, he right. got, he's got 60 more left. It's like, no, he's already worked crazy hard you know yeah. it's, it's like if you've gone out to get a little exercise and you're going for a jog but if you start running too quick you know at the start and you're sprinting now the the last half of that jog that you want to do is so hard and stressful because yeah. you didn't pace yourself right and that's what it's about so if john gray is is just pacing himself and he's really not having too many 20 pitch innings then then yeah he'll go close to 100 pitches 
um, especially if he's if he's dealing, right? But a lot of it's going to be context. Uh, buddies and his staff, they're just going to err on the side of, you know what, this could bring about an injury. Maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. Like that, Nothing like that was going to happen in, in Gray's first start of the season. But well, what happens if he keeps going on this trajectory, you know, by his third start? Now maybe he's got some, you know, so, shoulder soreness. So you know what, we got a we got a bullpen loaded full of guys. Let's get them a little bit more time, more opportunity, and that allows you to not, you know, tax these starters too quick, too early. Absolutely, we've got a few more questions here. I want to get into. Not going to cut any of them off for this special holiday opening day. And to thank all of you for joining us here for the live, I'm going to get to as many of them. As possible, especially because you guys have been coming in with some really smart stuff, some heavy thinking questions we've had to consider quite a bit. And it's probably because y'all got yourselves educated at MSU Denver Online. That's all I can surmise is that you're coming in with all this good stuff because you know what a quality education you can get when you go to msudenver.edu slash online you pick up some extra skills maybe you start out a new degree maybe you're finishing up an old degree you've always been meaning to get to whatever the case man they got programs they got classes and they got teachers suited for your needs perfectly suited for these times because they are experts at the digital education thing they've been doing it for years and not just the last couple of weeks so again check them out at msudenver.edu slash online a few more questions coming in ryan asking do we see brendan rogers this season if everyone stays healthy that's another tough one. We've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, it's going to be tough. He's going to have to really be raking out there at the satellite team, and we're going to have no idea that that's the case. I, you know, I think with no injuries, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough for Rogers to get himself uh, into this lineup, especially because um, sitting him on the bench doesn't do the team a whole lot of good either. Uh, you know, just to bring them up to the major league level. So they're they're in a tough spot there with Rodgers, and it'd be disappointing for everyone involved not to see him. But at this point, you know, again, if a healthy team, I would take the under. If there's an injury to an infielder, the chances increase quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, we might not see him until late in the season. You know, I, I was kind of surprised to see him when we did last year because – you know, he hadn't been doing too many big things in, in Albuquerque at that time. But, you know, the, it just – the time was, was right for them to make that move. And, uh, and that was fine. And that was just more about his development, about not stagnating and just saying, hey, let, let, let's give you that, that cup of coffee. And, you know, it was, it was short-lived. But the thing that ended up happening with him getting injured – excuse me, getting injured on uh, – while on the, the 40-man roster was that he basically got almost a full season's – uh, worth of service time. So he's at 136 days, need 180 uh, for it to be considered a, a full season. So there's really only 30 some, uh, 30 or 40 some days uh, that he would have need to have been on a normal roster for him to um, continue getting service time at a, at a normal rate. So, you know, I don't know how much of it is just his shoulder or how much is, of it is the Rockies saying, well, you know what, if we don't really activate him until the final two weeks of the season, then you know what? We're going to get another year 
uh, of Brendan Rodgers being a Colorado Rockies player. So that's that's a factor. There's, that's just that's something. Right. That's just something that that teams do in order to, you know, keep control over players, especially in their prime. So if they do that and they're getting great contributions for everybody else who plays second base, there's no reason to essentially miss out on having Brendan Rodgers on this team in six years from now when he's in his prime at 29 years old. That's what it would cost if you bring him up now. Right. A couple more questions that I'm going to combine in one because they're on the same topic here. Uh, Ouroboros asking, how many teams do you think can actually play the full 60-game season? And Rick saying, tough question, but why wouldn't MLB do an Arizona bubble? Not sure this season can play out. Uh, Rick, I'll start with yours just because we've talked about it a little bit and the timing on that was just terrible with the numbers out of Arizona. You're right to point out that that's, you know, that in Florida are the spots that have the facilities capable of hosting several baseball games at once. The unfortunate thing there is that players were really not inclined to go to two places that had skyrocketing numbers and still do. And and you even have to wonder, you know, you look at Miami and, and where did that start? We don't know. Was it, you know, they were up in Philly, so we don't, no, exactly. Also, Ryan, as Ryan points out, it is 117 degrees in Arizona. Like there's, there were a number of factors for why that uh, wasn't able to come together. Um, but, th- but those are the big ones. Yeah, I think that. Um, what was the first question about? Um, oh, how many teams? Oh, how many teams six. do you think? It, six. Six so of them. I'm gonna say 20. percent I think. I think that's okay. it. It'll just gonna be kind of a a luck thing. And as far as the Arizona bubble. I think we, I think we still might see that for the playoffs. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I think you're right. Or a tournament of some reduce. kind that the season may even just have to turn into. We've talked about that too. Sure, yeah. they're just going to want to reduce the amount of travel that the teams have getting on, you know, either chartered flights, which which I think that's what uh, ended up getting the Marlins. So it wasn't even that, you know, they were jumping on a, a domestic flight, but. Um, Again, it would probably move to Arizona only because the facilities are a lot closer together uh, than in Florida because Florida has a whole eastern coast uh, of teams. Um, there's only about four or five there anyway. But but still, with, with Arizona, if you've ever been down there, the two farthest located teams are 45 minutes away. That's it. Drive. That's it. It's, it's fantastic down there. So, you know, if the season has to shut down, they have to get through a lot of the season in order for them to say, okay, we're going to take a timeout and then start the playoffs. Sure, mm. NHL, NBA did that, but they were through a majority of their season. Right. A majority. They are past the halfway points. Baseball right. isn't even going to be playing 81 games. Right, so right. Half of a season. Right, right, right. When do we, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't shock yeah. me if, if it was like, hey, if we can get through 30 games, we'll just do some kind of round-robin tournament. They could get creative. But at that point, they would have to create some type of bubble um, and, and it would have to be down in Arizona for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting one coming in from Kravkek. If today were the trade deadline and standings are what they are, what are we doing? Um, I don't know that there is, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers right now, it's funny to even say this, but there's, there's really nowhere, your point not going, well, that's the glaring weakness on the team so far. 
the bullpen has maybe been the biggest strength and you don't expect that to continue. So I would probably still go there. You can never have too many arms. I, I, I don't see a position that needs to shake up. Maybe if a, if a big bat became available and you didn't feel like you were getting, you know, again, it's only, we've seen what we've seen, right? I can't, I can't project, you know, Matt Kemp hasn't blown me away, but he hasn't been by any means awful. Uh, but maybe you go with somebody you feel like as a DH could, could alter your lineup of a bat like that was available. Best and safest route for these Colorado Rockies at this trade deadline or any trade deadline is to go get a guy with some good stuff who can pitch good. Yeah, by by the standings are what they are. I I don't think you mean four and one. More like hey, first place in first in place. The West. The, if the Rockies are first place in the West at this point in the season in a normal trade deadline, yeah, I'm I'm going out and getting another arm. Still, yeah, I I don't think they would do anything too crazy because you know again depending on how you look at the standings, there's a tie with the Dodgers and the Padres, right? And you got to also assume that there's only going to be two wild card teams, so. You could go out and, and load up, maybe get three, four guys, one real premier player. And if you don't win the division, you could, you're could you one Archie Bradley triple away from saying, wow, we gave up all of that for two there months of <laughs> yeah. this and, and more right. heartbreak. He's not going to hit two. It'll be a different reliever. It'll be a different <laughs> relievers right. in the D-back. It'll be Mark Melanson this time. Yes. There we go. That, that makes more sense. Um, Colorado's own. Jinx. Yeah. Um, you I'm already mad at him healthy. for this thing we just made up. <laughs> yeah, but but I think, again, Colorado has been conservative, so I think you would see what you saw in 2017. Go get an arm like a Pat Neshek or someone else and yeah. go get a, a bat that can help you out. And it's funny because in, in 2018 they got someone else and they didn't get a bat other than the fact that they did. They got Matt Holiday. They just didn't have to trade anything for him. So. You know, you also have this this issue right now in this world that we live in where the rosters aren't going to expand. They're going to detract. So you can't even, you know, bring in a guy as a depth piece to kind of be on your bench because it's not going to expand to 32, 35 guys in September. It, it was originally going to only be, I think, up to 28. No, it was going to be 26, I think. So it was just 26-man roster yeah. all season long. So... It's 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 quirky, but I don't think you would have seen anything too crazy. I know you would like to say, hey, maybe you can get George Springer, uh, a nice right-handed bat from from the Astros, you know, because he's going to be a free agent. So you say, okay, hey, let's let's get him. Um, but I, I don't think it would be anything major, simply because you do have two other teams also tied for first place with the Rockies. If they were head and shoulders above the rest, then you're already looking to the first and second round of the playoffs. As it were, you still have to consider the question of, well, we are one wild card game away from having our whole season over the day after the season ends. Right. And you need those guys to build sustainability as the Rockies have shown the yeah. only way that they can remain competitive <clears throat> over the course of several years is to have the, the those guys in the farm system come up. Every single one of these dudes we're talking about Right now, uh, with the possible exception, I guess, of Marquez, who was traded for as a minor leaguer and did technically come up with some rocky seasoning. But Gray, Freeland, Dahl, McMahon, Notto, Blackman, all these guys, homegrown players, and you need the next. You need Rogers and eventually Zach Veen and um, Ryan Belay and Colton Welker and all of these guys and hopefully Ryan Rollison to, to come along behind them 
and be those guys. And if you start moving those dudes out of your organization for a half a year of George Springer, uh, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, uh, especially as Patrick said, as we've seen, when you're one Ephraim Archie Bradley triple away from epic disaster. And you all know that. I don't want to end this on epic disaster. I want to end this on Mile High Mems asking or stating, Bard's stuff looks really good. Am I wrong? No, of course not. It looks great. No. It looks no. fantastic. It, it no. looks exactly <laughs> as, you know, it probably would have looked if he had, you know, never had the yips. You know, that that kind of stuff happens. Rick Ankiel was a guy who had the yips, and while he never really, you know, came back to the mound, although there was actually some rumors that even after he, was, yeah. he had retired, he was about to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. And he was talking about maybe trying to get back and, and, back and to pitch uh, at the beginning of his 2019. But but he, he ended up reclaiming his career and, and, and was very productive as an outfielder. So, you know, these guys are athletes kind of long after they're seen as productive. But, you know, for, for Bard, it was more of that mental piece. And if you get over it, then you've now reclaimed something. And although he might be a, a 32-year-old guy, he doesn't have those innings on his arm. He's, he's right. you know, much, much younger than that. So his, his arm, yeah, 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 his arm is 27. Yeah, no, and I mean, you could see as you're watching him pitch, you can just go, oh, this was the guy that was dominant there for the Red Sox for a minute and that was so highly touted as a prospect. And you watch him pitch now in this year of 2020 and you go, oh, yeah, no, I see why. I see why any scout or any person who was with the Red Sox or against the Red Sox, I should say that year, went, this guy is incredible. And then, you know, he falls away and, and baseball has a way of forgetting about people. But uh, people have a way of, of reminding just who in the hell they are. And, <laughs> and it's crazy because, you know, Wade Davis, is he's the veteran guy of, of the staff. He, he's going to be turning 35 soon. And, uh, and there's no other pitcher in this bullpen right now, age 30 or over, other than Daniel Bard, Daniel who's 35. Bard. So actually, you, you you go from, what is it, I think, Jairo Diaz, or no, Tyler Kinley, is, he's 29 and a half. 29, yeah. Then you got to go all the way up to Wade Davis, who's going to be 35, and then Daniel Bard, who's almost the rookie of the team, right? right. He's a little over 35 years old. So uh, amazing. it's unique, it's exciting, and again, it's it's why right now, it's a good time to be a Rockies fan in Colorado with all the craziness going on. There's, there's juice, there's life in this town, there's life in this team. And it definitely is, is something promising to look forward to day in and day out. Will makes a great point. It's not even just in the bullpen. He says, are there any other pitchers on the active roster that are even 30? None of your main starters are gray Marquez, Freeland, Sensatella, Chichi Gonzalez, and Jeff Hoffman, all under 30 years old. Ashton Godot. Is Ashton Godot the guy who's yet to make his MLB debut the oldest of all the names I just said at 29 uh, or 28? 28. He's 28. He's 28. Yeah, so he's, so he's, Hoff, he's just yeah. Hoff and Chichi, have, are they 29 yet? They're, I know they're right. They're going too, to be, yes. Yeah. So yeah, Chichi, yeah. Gray, and Godot uh, could have all pitched for the same high school. They're, they're, all, they're, all, right. they're all the same year. The same right? year in school, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. So as Patrick said, it's a great time to be excited about this young team that's playing well. They're they're coming home. I know you can't get out there 
to Coors Field, which is really, really tough. But you can come out to the DNVR bar. Like I said, if you're coming out for opening night, make sure you RSVP. Otherwise, they won't let you in the door because we just got to be very, very safe about that the rest of the time. I know the bar hours say we open at four o'clock. That's true unless there is a Colorado sport of any kind on before that. We open early for afternoon baseball games, and I'm going to be down there for the weekend. I'll see you before or after the games if I can catch you. Obviously, you know, I've got to do, do some stuff. Got to get down there and see what it's like. And, and so you, you don't want to miss any of it. You got to follow us on social media. At Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so that you don't miss out on any of our written content. You got to get some cool merch. You got to get that mask and you got to get discounts on stuff. The new Larry Walker shirt, totally fire. And for members only at this point, you got to check that one out. I think it's among the best that we've ever done. Other than that, We can only ask that you remain absolutely awesome out there. We will remain absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you near the ballpark.